The following is a Journey to Comics Network production. Hey, Ohio, this is Nick Maxson from Brews with Dudes, and you are about to embark on the Journey into Comics Best of the Week show, featuring highlights from all episodes on the network this week. So go ahead and sit back, crack open a tasty brew, and enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey into Comics. A nice little segue there about the comedian, because we're going to talk about Doomsday Clock. Yes. Now, uh, I I read it just today. It came out today. I loved it. It was amazing. Dude, like, I was skeptic, because I didn't know how it was going to read. Because you have, I mean, you're talking about involving the Watchmen into the overall DC-verse. The fucking book reads like the Watchmen. Yes, it does. It felt very much a Watchmen book first. And I loved it. Holy crap. So like this book is a it's as much as a as it's a crossover, it is a sequel to the Watchmen book. And Rorschach is back, but it's not Rorschach. I'm wondering who it is. Um, it's a new Rorschach. Now, I actually just pulled up an article. Whoa, we were talking. I, 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 and Jeff Johns explains Rorschach's return. Okay, please do. So it's a long-ass article. But here's a quote from uh, from Johns. He says, much like Watchmen, there are, there's another Night Owl, there's another Silk Spectre. In my mind, there can be another Rorschach. It also pres- preserves what I think is one of the best moments in the original Watchmen is his death. But the character is so iconic and his voice is so iconic that I wanted to do a different version of it. The The, the, the original Watchmen cast was also uh, predominantly white and John said they, there, was this consent, there was a conscious effort to bring diversity to the story but there's more to it than that explaining that his race ties a lot into other things into the story. He's also pointed out that that another new character, the mime, is Hispanic. The new Rorschach uh, moves, looks, sounds like Rorschach. Reads uh, like Rorschach. Holy shit! So it's basically, as of right now, until like the story possibly like reveals more, he it's just a new dude who has kind of taken up the mantle of Rorschach and really just like become that character. Um, Hard selling whereas, that he is the Rorschach. Um, because I actually like that because that way, you know, when people look at this and go, they brought back Rorschach, what the fuck he died. It's not Rorschach. It's Rorschach. <laughs> uh, we're still getting Rorschach with out undoing what the original book did because that it, immediately when I, I was thinking about what they're going to do with that. And I'm like, well, if I was thinking that they're going to do some timey-wimey thing, but no. Manhattan bringing really, him back? Something. Uh, not out of the question, but I, I, I actually really like how the book read. and It's narrated by Rorschach for most of it. And, of course, uh, pretty much the whole world is going to hell in a handbasket after the New York incident with, with, uh, uh, with Ozymandias. Yeah, 300, 300 million dead? 3 million. 3 million dead, my fault. Yeah, you added a couple zeros to that, my friend. A little a excited there. 
But uh, yeah, a lot of people dead. He he's he's a wanted man, and uh, I I and of course he's trying to get Rorschach is working for Ozymandias because he's like hanging out in Night Owl's base, OG Watchman style. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's her name? The Marionette. Yep, Marionette and the Mime. They're new characters. Yeah, and. Uh, he wants their help uh, to bring the God back. I can only assume they're talking about Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, they bring um, up that God is Dr. Manhattan. And uh, so then we also flash over and we get to see Clark, you know, sleeping in bed with Lois, taking a nice little uh, cat nap. And he, he has a dream, and it's a, a dream from when he was in high school going to a dance, and his parents took him. And it's a night that... Uh, that they die by hitting a tree and except he was there and he could hear it and he could feel it. He could hear the heartbeat. He can hear like everything. And it was very, very, very real with him. And it's, and that's actually kind of cool because unless there's something, uh, like extraordinary going on here, it's like, how would Superman dream? Like, you know, you know, like, like sometimes when you dream, it's almost too real. Like it is pretty crazy that, um, Sometimes when I fall asleep, it like, like into a nap type phase, like if I'm sitting in a chair or laying on a couch, I'll have this sudden sensation that I'm falling, and that'll wake me up. Yeah, absolutely, shakes you to your core. But this is, yeah, it just really kind of shakes you back awake. And so I wonder, since Superman can't really fall, it's like, <laughs> like, well, like, what are his dreams like? Like, can you imagine? Having a dream where you have such sensitive hearing that, like, your brain makes that up. Like, that's so weird. It's uh, bizarre because Clark, you know, it's like you said, you know, you, you can't really have the fear of falling if you can't fall. So what's the next greatest fear? And I think that's seeing the rea- like the realest thing you've seen, the thing that shook you to your core. It's almost like the well for Bruce or seeing his parents die. That I mean, this is the exact same thing for Clark this time because he, he is seeing his parents die. He, he's feeling overwhelmed by it. And I just kind of want to take out uh, and throw out a little like uh, guesstimation of what I think is coming. I think that this is a vision sent to him by Dr. Manhattan. I feel like they're going to have a psychic link first before they actually physically connect. The strongest mind contacting the strongest human. Well, not human, Kryptonian, but... Yeah, you know, that definitely could be. So what do you think, Nate? I really enjoyed this first book. I I thought it was fantastic. Book one is a solid, like, 4.5 book for me out of 5. Easy. It really did a great job of setting up the story. They have a lot of little working parts that are well done. It definitely reads exactly like a Watchmen. The art is phenomenal. I love that they are playing on legitimate repercussions from the the, the actual incident that happens in the first book and the fallout from New York. They uh, they just overall, like I said, they they just did a really good job of playing it off and check it out. Here we are, the first book of Doomsday Clock. No Dr. Manhattan. He's been featured a little bit here and there and other DC stuff leading into this. And here we are at the actual event and right in the first issue, no Dr. Manhattan at all. Now, I don't know if you really paid attention to this, Brando, or not. And I want to know what you thought about the the issue as far as uh, a rating in a second here. But at the very end of this, 
they actually show you the covers for every issue moving forward. Did you look at them all? I looked at what was in there, yeah. Yeah, so it's like the first one is the Doomsday Clock with uh, Dr. Manhattan behind Superman. The second one looks like it's, um, uh, what's his face, Lex Luthor. The next one is Batman. And then the next one is Rorschach, and there's an explosion. And the next one's the Joker. So the Joker's going to have some role in this. That's crazy to think about. And that's the only ones they showed right so far. So they showed... Maybe the first six books covers one, two, three, four, five. Oh, it's the first five. One, two, three, four, five. So the first five covers. And the and this is a twelve issue arc. Yeah. So this we'll be finishing up this this time next year. I can't wait, dude. It's I mean it's awesome. We're gonna get we will be definitely reviewing these once a month as they come out, folks. No no worries there. We are Journey into Comics. We're trying to be better about covering comic book news, we promise. And it's cool because today, Brando, we actually got to read a book the day it came out. You know this is going to be coming out a couple days after that moment. But within a couple days, we've actually been able to review a brand new book that's a hot topic, and I feel really happy about that. What did you think? I want to know. Oh, dude, I loved it. Uh, I thought it was really good about... I probably rated it uh, rated a good four, four, five, just like you. Uh, boom, like right out of there, like right out of the gate. It reads like a Watchmen book with a good mix because it isn't straight up Watchmen because Watchmen is actually kind of a hard read as far as like all of the dialogue and heavy dialogue, heavy content. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 13 of The Poor Report. I am your host, Andrew Poor, and I want to thank you for joining me. It's been a crazy few weeks because I've been traveling so much for work, but it's kind of good to be back in the home studio, back in the apartment, to bring you a new episode after this nice Thanksgiving holiday we've had. And today's a little bit special, too. One, it's 13, which is always a fun number to have. And I'm also I'm joined by a special guest... The one, the only, Nate Phillips. How are you doing today, Nate? Dude, I'm very well. How are you, Mr. Poor? I am doing great. It's been a nice long weekend. I've had four days off in a row, so that this past weekend has been kind of a way to kind of recharge myself before I have to go back out to Colorado. Okay, here's the thing. I sent this to you earlier. There's a dude who wants to blow himself up. You read this? Yeah. I mean, once I read the trait, like the... The trailer launch pad, I was like, oh, this isn't going to go well at all. <laughs> no, you know, and I'll pull it up because I think it's it's worth talking about here. So, Mad... Okay, this guy, Mad Mike Hughes, I think? Yeah. Mad Mike Hughes cancels rocket launch to prove Earth is flat. Yeah, he canceled the rocket launch because hopefully somebody said, motherfucker, if you shoot yourself 500 miles an hour out of a rocket, you are going to die. There is no other solution to that. There's no happy ending. If you're traveling at 500 miles an hour out of a rocket as a human, what are you going to hit that's going to keep you from death? Right. I don't get it. Especially it because he built sense. that whole thing himself. Like that thing's not built to withstand. Like it could. It's probably going to shatter or not. Like shatter, or just explode him to death. Yeah, I. You know. 
So uh, this guy believes the Earth is flat and was ready to launch launch himself from a rocket in California on Saturday afternoon to prove it. He canceled his plans for now. Not having the required federal permits plus mechanical problems with his motorhome rocket launcher, a word I never thought I'd have to say in my life, Yep. Uh, forced self-taught rocket scientist Mad Mike Hughes put his experiment on hold. The U.S. Bureau of Land Management, the BLM, told me they would not allow me to do the event, at least not at that location, uh, Hughes said in a YouTube announcement amid international attention over his plans to launch into the atmosphere, as he calls it. Because there's not a sphere. It's an yeah. atmosphere. Oh, Jesus Christ. Just it's been very disappointing, he said. Hughes is 61-year-old limo driver who has spent the last few years building a steam-powered rocket out of salvage parts in his garage. Mm. His project has cost him $20,000, which includes Rust-Oleum paint to fancy it up, <laughs> and a motorhome he bought on Craigslist that he converted into a ramp. <laughs> Hughes was set to launch his rocket between 2 and 3 p.m. on Saturday. He said, I do not believe in science. That's a quote from him. That's an actual quote from him. So the guy building a rocket. (laughs) Correct. Plans had been in the works for more than a year, and Hughes said he was initially told by BLM that it was up to the Federal Aviation Administration to approve the launch. The FAA, Hughes said, told him, we can't honestly approve it. We just know that you're going to do it there. So they can't even approve him doing that, even if he does it there. Like, there's no permit he can get to fucking blow himself up. (laughs) I guess. Right. Uh, News of his plans began to spread Monday and gained worldwide attention, which Hughes believes is why BLM began to push for permits. My feeling is one of the top executives of the Bureau of Land Management called Needles, California, saying, what's going on? Who permitted this? Plus, as he and his team were preparing to leave Wednesday, the motorhome rocket launcher broke down in his driveway. Should have used science. (laughs) We want everyone to please stay tuned, Hughes said, adding to the setup a adding he has set up a YouTube page where he will post updates. His plan is to try again next week. <laughs> yeah. He's just gonna try next week. This guy's gonna die. It's gonna be great. Flat earthers are gonna learn their lesson. Hey, the earth is not flat. Quit trying to blow yourselves up. Don't be stupid. Right. Well Science is real. I mean sometimes uh I'm gonna forget what it's actually called. Um I'm not blanking on it. Like uh, weeding out the the herd. Um, You're thinning out the herd. Thinning out the herd. But what's the natural uh, but, selection? Natural selection is what I was thinking of. That's that's kind of what's happening right now. It's what it seems. I like. I feel if he pulls this off before 2018, he will undoubtedly win the Darwin Award. Oh, definitely. I mean, there's no there's no way around it. Like you have to understand science, and it's very no bullshit nature you know scientists literally spend their lives studying to learn to make this planet better because if we don't study and learn and advance ourselves we will die out right and do they and do these flat earthers believe that the moon is also flat or they believe it's round you know what that uh, do we have flat mooners well because like you see like you look in the sky you see different like, because you can see the craters of the moon. You see those in different locations or not at all. Like, you know that thing is spherical. How do you think, like, the Earth is flat, but oh, the moon is sphere? Like, that... Like, I don't uh, know where... I'm looking of... up flat mooners right now. Figure There out. are flat mooners. There's a flat mooners theory. Okay. 
Maybe. Let's see if it actually pulls up. Are flat earthers also flat mooners? Shitty Ask Science Reddit. <laughs> Let's go here. Flat. Nope, we're not going to read that one. That's. Why no flat mooners or flat sunners? People are asking. Huh. Your move, flat mo- mooners. There, there are really some flat mooners. This is crazy. I'm just like, and there's also apparently some shoes that are moon shoes that are flats for women that are flat mooners. Oh gosh. Not, not called that, but it just they came up in the search results somehow. I don't know if you're joking or not, but some flat earthers believe that both the sun and the moon are small disks. <laughs> like people say, like the, the Earth is flat and it's the center of the universe, and everything else is just projected away from it. Like we're a projector on a, like a movie screen, and then everything is just ahead of it. Like I, it just baffles me how when when shown facts, they're like, no, like do you want to go up in this in this shuttle to this very high altitude where you can see the curvature of the Earth? No, that's okay. I'm fine believing what I believe. Like they've done this with like people who've come out like. Do you want to see it? We'll take you up there. Like, do you want to take a look? Like, no, I'm okay. Just. You know where I think some of this began? Where? Moon landing conspiracy theorists. Right? I feel like there are moon landing conspiracy theorists who believe that we didn't have the power to go to the moon in the 60s and that they faked it in Hollywood, which maybe it's possible. Who knows? However, NASA recently was like, oh, we are so fucking sick of you always talking about conspiracy this, conspiracy that, conspiracy this. We went to the fucking moon. Here are pictures we've never released before. Check it. And they showed some really cool pictures. Pictures you probably could not fake in in Hollywood at the time. So I feel like, though, that flat earthers are born from the conspiracy theories that we didn't land on the moon. Because we're not as an advanced society as everyone believes, which means that everything we've been told then would be a lie. If we didn't really go to the moon, everything is a lie, I'm guessing, according to Flat Earthers. I don't know. I don't spend enough time with Flat Earthers. I don't keep them in my company. Right. Because I don't want to go fucking crazy and end up in prison. Could you imagine if like, you have <clears throat> Flat Earther in your family that you had to see at holidays? Uh, Yeah, you know what I would do? Not see them at fucking holidays. Like I have a hard enough time. Conscious to, effort. Like you have a hard enough time dealing with people who have sometimes have different political and views and all that that you do. They have to deal with those awkward family conversations anyway. Oh that? man, bro! I just read the weirdest comment on this thing. I have to read it because there is a flat mooner who's trying to battle people. Yes. <laughs> Are you ready for it? I'm this ready. person says, uh, the moon is also flat. It's a circular-shaped 2D body. Ever notice that you always see the same face of the moon? Ever wonder why? That's because there's no other face due to it being flat. Scientists say that's due to the spin, but they are the ones who are spinning a tall tale indeed. Checkmate, science. Why are they only seeing one face of the moon? Like, you... Oh, just shake... I'm just shaking my head. Like, it's ridiculous... It just... It's brain melting. It's just that's the only thing I can say is it's literally brain melting that people believe this. And some of these people uh, are parents and raising children. Like, uh It's a terrifying time we live in, man. It's uh something that's inescapable, but what we have to hope is and that's one thing you gotta remember, in the quest to better humanity. If you have a small child or if you have a small child in your life or if you are a nephew or an uncle or a 
niece or a cousin or whatever, impart real knowledge. Don't just feed them the bullshit of the cool shit you like. Don't just show them the video games and the toys and the collectibles or the, you know, whatever. Or don't just impart your political background on a child. I feel like that's another problem we have is there's just like there were a lot of conservatives fucking because they were all rich and had money. So they had a lot of babies that they made conservatives. So we're outnumbered. Just saying. Uh, you know, I just feel like we have to tell people the younger generation, the real truth. And that, that real truth is like, first of all, everybody matters. Literally every person has to matter. Skin color should not matter. You fucking oafs. Right. It does not matter. I thought that's something that's even like, if you were like told one thing growing up, I think a lot of people in our age group have figured out that like a lot of the, like not the value, a lot of the, Things that, like, our parents' generation, our grandparents' generation had issues with are no longer... They don't matter to us the same way. Like, exactly. care less about someone's skin color, their religious beliefs, where they're from, all that. It doesn't matter to a lot of... Like, it does matter to more than it should, the amount of people in our what? generation. But I feel, like the, I feel like we're on an upward swing. Do I have everybody's attention now? Now, I almost said Drew Galloway. Nice save. He came back to WWE, (laughs) so he gets the McIntyre back. He drew McIntyre, lost the NXT uh, title to Andrade Cien Almas. Which was the planned finish. Yes. Very important to note. That was the planned finish. They didn't have to do an audible. But the last move of the match, I believe that's where they think it happened, where he held onto the rope for that top rope DDT, and he tore his fucking bicep, and he's out four to six months. You know, it's actually, I'm going to say a thing, and you're going to feel me on this. It's a blessing in disguise for him. It really is. He doesn't have to go to NXT now. He can come back on the main roster. I think he has done due diligence, and that would be huge. Uh, unexpected return from him. Well, here's what I would do. Hold on. Sure, sure, sure. Let's hear it. All right. So, so you know, so they got Cien as champion, and his next challenger is not going to be a rematch with McIntyre. Can't be. It's going to be Adam Cole. Bay Bay. Adam Cole's going to rule the roost. Love it. If if McIntyre can push himself, take over WrestleMania weekend. Returned. If he can get cleared, McIntyre, Adam Cole, NXT title, WrestleMania weekend takeover. Where's WrestleMania at this year? Oh, it's a new and it's in New Orleans. Yep. Uh, so take over New Orleans for for NXT that weekend. Then on that, do they do that on Friday now? Or I can't remember. Yeah, it's Friday because Saturday is the Hall, is of, the Fame, Hall of Fame, and then Sunday is Mania. Or or did they did they switch that this year? Because I can't remember. No, maybe I they, think you. I think they did because they did the Hall of Fame, and then they put up stuff for the NXT, and they used the same out because they had the same arena for Monday and Tuesday. That's right. Um, and so that way they don't have to set up for the wrestling and then tear it down, and set up for the Hall of Fame, tear it down, set up for the wrestling. Um, so that saves them a little bit of money. So I do, I hope that's the case because that, that's what I would do, one hundred percent. 
it, I would be like, dude, you better get on this, get healed because you could be here and you want to be here. And, you know, unfortunately, it is a pretty bad injury. Do not rush it. As much as I said rush it. Don't. Don't, you know. Cena rushed it. He did rush it. But, see, you also run the risk of, like, fucking yourself up to the point of you're out longer. And you don't want that. Also true. You know, Cena, though, was a lot less physical after his comeback. He what he didn't get full bore and do a bunch of crazy shit after he returned from that injury, you know he was right back in the mix, but they didn't have him doing a lot of the crazy stuff, so he was kind of protected in that manner. And he's not super uh, ultra physical, anyways. So Drew, however, is a physical wrestler and does a lot of stuff. So it's really unfortunate, but I do think that if you don't book him to come back to NXT to challenge Adam Cole which would be amazing payoff considering that was it was SummerSlam wasn't it the the, uh, undisputed debuted yeah okay so you know it would just be cool to have a big moment at Wrestlemania be like the closing chapter of Wrestlemania season be Drew versus Adam I, I, I do really like that uh, of course, we to talk about Adam Cole, we can't not discuss the fact that we had the NXT War Games match. It was uh, the Undisputed Era versus Roderick Strong, the Authors of Pain versus Sanity. What did you think of this match, Brando? I thought it was pretty darn good. Of course, they changed the rules just a little bit. Uh, instead of it being a uh, two-team uh, well, I guess the last one they did was a three-team, technically, huh? With Team Wolfpack, Hollywood, and WCW. But they did it this way where it started with, like, one person from each team started. And then they still did the intervals, the five-minute first, and then the two three-minute ones, or however long it was. Um, and so, like, then the next two guys came in. So then you could uh, move the match along a little bit faster. Um, and get everybody in there to do to do the spots. I thought this was pretty well done, uh, especially since this was the first War Games the WWE has attempted, and I thought it came off really well. I mean, Absolutely, I think, it li- I think it lived up to the old War Games name, and um, them taking the top off did actually let them utilize more space and more uh, more real estate in there, because with that top on there, uh, I watched. Um, I watched the War Games match from Russell War uh, 92. It was the one where it was the Sting Squadron versus the Dangerous Alliance. And uh, you, they would like, they'd be on the turnbuckle and they would grab hold of the top of the cage and then do like a, do like a kick instead of like a drop kick on you. Yeah. Like they had to be creative. And I remember there was actually a danger one year where uh, Sid Vicious went to powerbomb somebody. Dude, like. You're too tall, Sid. (laughs) Dude dude hit the top of the cage and Sid pretty much like dropped him right on his neck. He's like, like it was like, whoa. And thankfully dude was okay, I think. But it's a pretty sick looking bump. Um, but them taking the top off at first, I was like, I don't know how, how I feel turns out perfectly fine. Absolutely fine. 
I thought it was great. I cannot wait. I hope they do a War Games style match on the main roster at some point when it calls for it. Don't bring it out. Don't make it a yearly thing. Don't do it a hell in a cell. Don't do a elimination chamber. Reserve it for when it is needed to be utilized. And I just really feel that um, that they did a great job here, and it, it for 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 them just kind of bringing it out of nowhere. And I really hope that Triple H was able to sell Vince on this because it it turned out tremendously well. They even when Insanity came in with the rest of the group, uh, then they brought in the weapons, and you and you saw some uh, a chain and some chairs and the table tables. People got people got busted open hard way in this match. Uh, one dude from Sanity got he got cut from the table, and he was a gusher. Um, yeah, got it on the back of his head. And uh, dude, like the match is pretty damn good. I want to. Um, didn't Adam Cole get the pin? Adam Cole pins Eric Young to win War Games, and the Undisputed Era reigns supreme. I mean, I know they won, but I was like trying to remember the finish because I remember like at one point. The only, like the last three guys standing were the three guys who started it. Yeah, Roderick Strong, Adam yeah. Cole, and Eric Young, which was yeah. awesome, you know. Oh yeah, I'm really glad that Eric Young is in the company. He's a great worker. He's always been great, uh, but here he's actually, I really feel like he's being utilized pretty damn, you know, pretty damn well, and it's it's something different for him than we've seen in the past with this sanity group. And I can't wait for them to eventually be get called for the main roster, dude. Um, I'm starting to get more and more into these authors of pain guys. I didn't really get into them when they first came in. I thought they were pretty generic, but the more I see them, the more that they're the more that they're getting over with me, and the more yeah. that I seem to like them. And I'm trying to remember the name of the dude, the big, uh, the more rotund guy from from Insanity. I can't remember his name. Uh, Killian uh, Dane. Yes, he uh, he was in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal this year. Uh, that dude, he reminds me of like a monsterish Mick Foley. Yes. Um, did like, you see that crazy fucking spot from the corner, the corner to corner, the coast to coast, like yeah. uh, Shane O'Mac? That dude's like three hundred and twenty-five pounds <laughs> flying in the air like Shane O'Mac. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? That dude on the other end was like he was sitting there going, "Oh God." Oh God! Why did I get talked into this? Why me? Poof! I think Roderick Strong took. No, no, it was uh, uh, Kyle. Uh, I think it was Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah, because it's Kyle well, O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and uh, Adam Cole. Bobby Fish just sounds like a villain from like Batman. I was he, gonna say Bond, but okay. Well, there, yeah, Bond early. He just sounds like a gangster. Okay, totally, absolutely does. Um, yes, Bobby Fish. Yes, Bobby Fish. Now, let me tell you, gonna baby, make I you the swim with the fish. Oh, I, I tell you what, the baby is. I thought the World Games was a really good event. I thought overall it's pretty good. Some people thought it was better than the Survivor Series counterpart. Uh, for the most part, I would say that I thought they were relatively even this year. Um, yeah, I thought Survivor Series, as, as we're going to shift into that. I thought Survivor Series was a pretty darn good show. There wasn't a bad match on the card. It was just a bit of a... It was long.
here, I think it was, I want to say November 18th. Yeah, it was the same, it was the same night we all hung out. Uh, the, the network had their little hang, our little hangout. Um, I went ahead and I had to dip a little bit early, um, because my old band Drench was playing their first show in two years and I, I couldn't miss it. I, there, I mean, I, I left the band, uh, and what I thought was good terms. So, and they're, so they're my friends. I've managed to stay in really good touch with, uh, the drummer, Alan, because he bartends at the vault, which is a bar that I regularly visit. Um, mainly because I love the staff. I really enjoy going there. I like the atmosphere. Uh, and of course, Alan's there. So I always love going in there and hitting him up and chatting him up. So, yeah. So, uh, the, the event was a pretty, pretty stacked lineup from what I can remember. Uh, let's see who, who all was on there. November 18th, an evening with Drench and friends. So it was King's Gambit, Space Words, Blood of Heroes, Fight Like Sin, and Drench. Uh, I, I showed up late because, uh, I've mostly, not that I, I have anything against the other bands. I actually like the other bands, but I wanted to get in as much, uh, as much time with, with uh, the podcasting network as I possibly could. Uh, unfortunately, I had to leave that even earlier than I had planned because uh, my girlfriend's car broke down on the way to my house. So uh, I had to go pick her up and figure all that out very unsuccessfully. Uh, so we just left it where it was until the morning. Uh, we did get it running, and it's now fixed for the time being who knows who knows when it'll die again but that's that's life shit happens so anyway we showed up relatively late i think it was about 10 o'clock or so maybe a little after uh, after about an hour of messing around with the car going back and forth between the car and walmart which is about five minute drive maybe 10 minutes depending on traffic uh but yeah, so we showed up late. Uh, it was just before I think Fight Like Sin was sound checking, and uh, I, I, they're a good band. They play good music. Very talented people. Uh, just not really a fan of them. Uh, mostly for one person who I won't name, but uh, I'm I'm not bitter in terms of like why. It's just how things were approached. Uh, basically I, they put up an ad on some Facebook group a music group and, uh, they said they needed a guitarist and, uh, I offered myself, I said, Hey, I'm not really the best guitarist, but I feel like if I'm shown what to do and, and it would give it enough practice, I could probably fill in. I could, I, and who knows maybe I could write whatever. And uh, it just turned out they played in the same tuning as one of my guitars was already set up for. And so I, it, that worked out. That was cool. Um, but then, so they're like, yeah, here's here's some of our songs. And um, that was that. So I waited 
about a week and a half goes by and they tell me this person contacts me says hey have any luck with any luck learning those songs i'm like well no you never sent me any tabs you never offered to set up a time with one of the guitarists to teach me the songs why why would i know these songs like it's like oh well i thought you could just learn it from listening i'm like no I already told you I'm not a very great guitar player. Like I, I've been playing for ten years, but like I, I, I don't understand why he. After hearing I'm not that I'm not the best guitar player, that he assumed I could just learn from listening to songs on the internet. Like, uh, I mean, the guy is a super talented musician. I, hands down, seen him play multiple times in multiple different uh, facets be it his band Fight Like Sin or uh, Professor Joe's Open Mic Nights. Very talented dude. And, you know, like I, I don't have too big a problem with him. He's always been, when approaching me in public, he's always been really cool with me. But anyway, so time goes by. And I feel, this is crazy because I'm supposed to be talking about the Drench show, but I'm talking about this little beef. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, but anyway, so time goes by and turns out my buddy Josh who does the open mic nights or used to do the open mic nights. Uh, he tells me, he's like, Hey, this person was talking shit about you. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, he said, he said he tried to, um, he, you wanted to be in the band and then you couldn't learn the songs. And he was basically calling you a douchebag for it. And it, he, he that my friend, Josh, he stuck up for me. He's like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, I mean, he, he couldn't learn the songs. And then, he he was trying to be in our band and it's like no <laughs> it's like there's there's nothing wrong with uh him not being able to learn the songs from listening to it i mean i don't anyway so yeah so that that rubbed me raw that, that really rubbed me the wrong way when i found out about that so i i don't exactly have the highest opinion of this person but it is what it is if he is listening and he knows he is being talked about just know like, I don't hate you. I'm just not your biggest fan. <laughs> but anyway, so Fight Like Sin played uh, after what could be considered like one of the longest fucking sound checks in the history of sound checks of trying to get everything so fucking perfect in the monitors. And it's, it, it was, it, it seemed like it was a bit too much. I don't understand why it took so long. So, yeah. They played a set and it was it wasn't bad. Uh it's not the best stuff I've ever heard. It's it's pretty good for around here. Uh for that st- for that style which is hard rock, alter- hard alternative rock and roll. I wouldn't quite go as far as saying it's metal, but I mean it's 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 really it was really cool, I guess. Uh, uh like I said, they're they're like the shine down of Lafayette, I guess. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so they, they finished up, got off the stage. I am really jealous because uh, their guitarist has a um, has probably, I think, one of the original Rhodes uh, amplifiers. I can't remember what it was. Uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was a combo amp. It wasn't, it wasn't a head. It wasn't a head and cab. It was just a combo amp, but uh, it had the Rhodes logo on it. And uh, 
Kyle Rhodes, he he did sound for um, my first band a couple times at Jerry Lee's Pub. Uh, he went on to, or at the time, he was still making the amps, and he let us use one. Uh, he He's since changed the name from Rhodes Amplification to KSR Amplification. Uh, he is now no longer in Lafayette. I think they moved over to Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, great fucking amps. Uh, I love the sound they make. Uh, they're ma- they're really making a boom amongst uh, musicians in the in the pro world, I guess. Uh, so I mean, I think uh, what's his name, Joel Joel Strotzel Strotzel uh, from Killswitch Engage. He's one of the guitarists in Killswitch Engage. He uses he has one for live, and he has another one for his studio. And uh, uh, you see him on uh, Ryan Fluff Bruce's channel a lot. I've 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 just seen him a lot, uh, and I it makes me so happy that they're making such a big splash in that world of boutique amplifier guitar amplifiers and cabinets, uh, and it, it makes me proud that it's part of Lafayette, Indiana, and. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I'm just, I'm glad a local business is getting out there and kicking ass, and I want one so bad, but they're so fucking expensive. I think it's like nineteen hundred, two thousand dollars for uh, a KSR Aries, which is a an awesome little amp. Want it? I want it so bad because it's got some killer ass tone. Anyway, so moving on, so they fight like sin gets off the stage, and on comes Drench. They start setting up, and um, yeah. So I, I I made sure I was front, down front, right in front of the stage, and uh, so yeah. They after after a brief sound check and setup, they uh, they began to play, and they started off with a brand new song. Or no, um, it wasn't a brand brand new song because they. They had already written it before I joined the band, but I never got to learn it. I never, I guess it was, it was also lyrically unfinished. And uh, they wanted me to finish it. I never got around to it. So basically, they played this song. So I got to hear it for the first time, or at least what I could hear of it. Uh, The bad thing about the Lafayette Theater and standing directly in front of the stage is there's no, there's no speakers to, provide you with sound you're basically getting all the stage all the stage sound and uh, everybody behind you however is getting the actual music and that kind of i wish the lafayette theater would do something about that but it is what it is i guess good luck So where we're we gonna go now? Oh, Super Mario Kart. So this game, yeah. So I have this in box, uh, thanks to the awesome find. Of trash can. Trash can. <laughs> of course, what is awesome is that the the copy of the game that I bought before I even got the box was the player's choice, and the box I got was player's choice. You can't. I couldn't get it in time. I was gonna. Go. <laughs> Dude, you can't make that up. This game, I played this a lot when I was a kid too, right along with Super Mario World and Zelda and all that kind of stuff. This game was awesome. Yes. Me and my friends played the crap out of Super Mario Kart. And of course we played the battle, you know, but yeah. then we'd also play like the two player races and stuff like that. Yoshi was like my man. He was the man. 
um, he was always like the fastest. Um, Bowser and Donkey Kong were always like the slowest, but also the hardest to like, like knock down. Yeah, you know. So like, because like you're playing and you're like, how the heck is Bowser always in front? Because <laughs> he just bashed people. Like he could hit yeah. you, and like if he hit you, he was knocking you down. Oops, that was too early. All right. Um, oh, they're hitting the thing now. We have a insert here in the box for subscribing to Nintendo Power. Yeah. For only eighteen dollars for the year. Wouldn't that be nice? Nintendo Power is actually no longer around. Right. That sucks, but yeah, dude, I was so hyped to get like a box for this. It's not in the best shape, but dude, it's Super Mario Kart. Of course, this launched. I mean, this launched a whole series of Mario Karts. Yes. I mean, you. It went on to Mario Kart sixty four, and then you had the one in the Game Boy Advance. And then you had Double Dash. Which is here. And inside of it. No, oh, and one. Mario Kart 8. Mario then, Kart 8. You have like DS, 7, uh, Mario Kart Wii. It, they, they've, had, they've had one on almost every single platform that they've ever put out except for the original Game Boy. Right. And uh, they've all been good. I didn't like Wii that much because of the... Of the Motion controls. But you could control it with a Pro Controller. Right. So, like, if you have one of those and plugged into your Wiimote, that, then, yeah, I was all set when I, once I got that going. But Mario Kart 8 is probably my absolute favorite. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mario Kart. But, of course, you love Double Dash. Follow closely for now, uh, Double Dash. But the other game that I have boxed here is the next really big entry here. Yes. Because after uh, the awesomeness of Super Mario World, where do you go? What do you do? You create a full 3D Mario uh, platforming like experience, and they were able to successfully pull it off with this game. We had other 3D platforming games at this point, but none of them, and even ones that came after, none of them actually did it quite as well as Super Mario 64 did. It's true. This game was a launch game for the 64. I I bought this. I think I might have texted you when I bought this. Bought this locally. They had a whole like slew of like boxed games but this one was like the best condition and when i opened it up because i saw that it was boxed and it, i want to say it was like shoot it wasn't that much like 40 bucks i think something like that yeah but of course you have the manual there you go admire yeah you know i like to look through them but check this out this is what got me dude Still in the plastic. Still in the plastic, and this is the million seller, uh, million seller one. So this came out a little bit later. Right. But still, uh, everything is pristine. The dude, book I, has no waterlogged. Mm -hmm. The little uh, player's guide offer inside is in mint condition. More is that for an for an yeah. Nintendo Power? Yeah. Uh, I absolutely love. I love the game. I didn't have a 64 growing up, I but I but I played Preston's enough, played Jason's enough. We played Mario 64. We played all the games, um, but this was a game that I never got into until uh, a bit later. I did emulate it as the N64 emulator became available, uh, and you're able to use controllers and map the controller. I tell you what, man, <laughs> I hate PC gaming. Yes, I hate PC gaming because I I always find that. Whatever I want to do on there requires way too much tinkering. Yeah. And then I end up tinkering with it, and then I get to the point where I can play it, and then I'm, I've lost the interest. I moved on to something else. I have played this copy once. 
I took it out of the plastic, put it in, just so I could boot it up and, and run around a castle, run around the first few levels. But I, I haven't put any time into it uh, since then. But this also got ported to the DS, and you have that version. I do have that version. Super Mario 64 DS, which allowed you to play as Wario, Luigi, and Yoshi. And it allow it added thirty more star power stars. <laughs> As if there weren't enough already. Right. Which puts you to a whopping one hundred and fifty. But not like Odyssey where you're at nine hundred. Right. And you can do Oh, they had this so this is pretty neat. So they had a DS single card download play. Where you could, I could play it and download it on yours wirelessly, and you could play with me. Uh, see, that's bad. Two players, up to four players. That's um, really neat. So let me say real quick, um, I haven't played this on DS, but they had to have like uh, fixed some of the controls. Not that the controls for the original were that bad, but to be able to put this on a handheld, and, it's essentially almost the same. Is it? Yeah. Uh, I've always wanted to pick it up, but it's always been like, it's it's never been like a must grab for me. Right. You know? I know I picked it up because I'd much rather have it. I don't have a sixty four. Yeah. And the few systems that I don't have. Hey, look. How long how long did I purchase this? What do you think? Um, year and a half ago. Uh, no, almost exactly a year. Well, no, wait. One twenty two sixteen. Yep. So close. So the year, almost two years. Yeah, almost two years ago. I have played through most of this, not all of it. But before we switch to the cube, I would like to make a note. Mario Kart 64 changed a lot for me. That was all the neighborhood kids got together, and that's what we played. We would sit down at my friend's house. And we would play the crap, I mean, hours upon hours of Battle of Mario Kart. Just the battle, not the racing, but the battle. Yeah, that's where I fell in love with Mario Kart. So when they launched the Cube, it was the first main console game not to launch with a Mario game. They yes. In, they instead launched with a Luigi game, Luigi's Mansion. Of course, Luigi's roaming around this house with a bunch of ghosts with like a... With like a vacuum clean. cleaner, looking like, you know, sucking up ghosts, trying to find Mario. Mario! You know? And, uh, so, really fun game. Super fun game. In fact, they have a sequel out for the 3DS, I think. Yes. Um, Luigi's Mansion, something. <laughs> yeah. But when we finally got a Mario game, we got Super Mario Sunshine. Oh, play the shit out of that game. So, and this one, it, if you were expecting Mario 60. For two, that it is not. Uh, instead, you're going to run and you're going to clean stuff up. Yeah. And uh, I didn't like it. I loved it. I actually did not like this game because it's not what I wanted it to be. Uh, and hindsight's a pretty fun game. Now that I, it, you know, have gotten away from my uh, from my prejudice, <laughs> you know. 
this is not what I wanted. You know, well, no, it wasn't what I wanted. So, like, I was dead set against this game. I'm like, this sucks. Slam fist down. So have you noticed, as time has proceeded on in Mario games, we have lost the powers. 64, name a power. 64 had, like, the the hat wings. Yep. What else? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're right there. Um, That's they, what I said, name a power, because there's they, only one. Did they not have other ones? Did they have the fire? Was fire on there? I'm going to find out. I'm searching it right now. Okay. Right, 64. As if I can, you know, spell or type right. Flower power. Yeah, there is. Images. Oh, I don't see it. Let me, what, like, what if I just type powers? How to get the flower power in Mario 64? Pretty sure it was just the hat. I think so. Super Mario Sunshine. No powers, just attachments for whatever his name was. Flood. I'm looking up to see a list of power-ups and whatnot. One up mushroom, because that's in pretty much all of them. One up heart, that's in the video games. Three up moon, plus clock, bee mushroom, big mushroom, blimp fruit, blue shell, boo mushroom, boomerang flower, boo star, bold berry, bunch of stuff, cape feather, carrot. I, I see, I was right, that was a damn carrot in, Mar in Mario Land, six coins. Cloud flower, coin box, copy flower, dash pepper, double cherry. Oh, there's the flower power. There we go. No, no, because it goes past. There's Mario's. There's Super Mario World, Mario Maker, Mario's Missing. No Mario 64. And then, of course, there's a frog suit, gold block, so. You know, in, in some games we have lost the powers because we haven't lost the powers of all of them. Because no. while you know here, you know we had the cube games. Um, um, yeah, we'll go here next. We can go there. We'll go here next because uh, the we got introduced on the DS to the new Super Mario Brothers. Now Nintendo has this fascination with adding new to, to everything to everything and make it sound new. And what this is is that this is classic Mario. It's a 2D runner, but it's all made with 3D sprites or 3D graphics and everything. And you have new powers. You have the Mega Mushroom, which allows Mario to grow super big and just power through the levels. It's like having a star, but you just like demolish everything and get coins. And well, you know, this game was a lot of fun. And what's cool about it is that they add the bounce off, like when you're falling or when you're oh yeah, or to even get up to places. You know, you like bounce off the walls. Are you sure it was this one? Because uh, Super Mario Sunshine, you can do that. Well, they this is the first one in the in the two D. Oh, okay. That that you that you. Okay. Yes. Yes. And of course, had a sequel, Super New Super Mario Brothers two. 
There were two other versions that came out. New Super Mario Brothers Wii, which had four players. Wii was fantastic. And then New Super Mario Brothers Wii U, which that was the one. I have that one digitally. It came on my Wii U. Yes, or, I have it also. Or, no, I got it uh, for free when I bought Mario Kart 8. We got it for our coins. Um, I, I got mine for my coin, the amount of games that I got for coins. Um, I think that I got it just for buying Mario Kart 8. Oh, yep, they, yep. They gave you a couple free games. Yeah. Um, so, this game, much like the other one, I'm just opening it up here, and I got this uh, action guide. Um, for powers, that they, they give you uh, power-up actions. They give you fireball, gold, Mario, gold, throw gold, for, uh, gold fireballs. And, of course, you got the, you know, uh, raccoon Mario back in this one. This game is pretty damn easy because, uh, well, um, you, there's, it's like really easy to get coins. So I would just rack up a bunch of lives for the wife and say, go have fun. And then she'd run them out. And I, she'd be like, I need more. So I'd play levels she's already played, run through, and just rack up all the coins. Of course, this game has so many coins on the damn cover. It's like yeah, pretty self-explanatory. It is coin heavy. Voice of Survival Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Nate Phillips. Our first time ever playing in Milwaukee. And who plays right the fuck before us? Off key. And it was amazing to see you guys. And things had changed so much. Ryan had left the drums and he was now playing guitar. And he had this new guy on yeah. drums. Yeah, that was one of the. How did that all happen? Yeah. From, like from March to. How did that change happen? When did you guys decide, <laughs> like, Ryan should really just pick up a guitar and do it that way? Um, well, well, it's interesting. No, we, uh, we, we were tra- always trying to, you know, adapt and evolve and, and kind of explore new, new aspects of the sound. And we recorded the album. We liked the way that it sounded. Um, but we were looking to grow and kind of add some more depth to our music, some diversity. Um, and, and so we experimented with um, maybe adding a second guitarist, but we couldn't really find a second guitarist or anything like that. Um, it was actually Ryan's idea. He's like, hey, you know, I've been practicing and stuff. I'd like to move up to maybe try guitar or something if we could, um, you know, if that's possible. Otherwise, you know, I don't know um, a ton about drums. He hadn't been playing drums. He had, there was a huge time gap between when he used to play drums and when he joined the band. Um, so he, he was, you know, doing a fantastic job, but he's like, well, maybe we could find somebody else. So we auditioned a few people and we ran into uh, Logan, the current drummer. Um, and he fit the bill. He was willing, able, very talented guy. And, uh, yeah, since then Ryan moved to guitar and I think it's really, really brought us to a new level. It definitely brings you guys to a new level because when Ryan was on the drums, one thing I could say is you were trying to have all the fun by yourself. And Alan is a is a good bass player, don't get me wrong, but there's mm-hmm. just a certain sometimes there's a certain vibe with certain members of the band. I feel like you and Ryan are like like he's like your like not legitimately older brother, but kinda, if that makes any sense. And uh just yeah, just from an outsider's perspective, you know. So having the dynamic of him coming up front now, and and we're going to get into this part three because we actually play with you guys yet again this year in October at the place we played at in March. We went back to Underground Lounge. We had a show. Turnout was kind of sucky. Not really anybody's fault, but it was a great show. You guys performed phenomenally as always, and I actually 
threw you some dinero and picked up this amazing CD, No One Eats the Shark. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, do you you dig it? It's good. It's a good album, man. I'm pretty proud of it. Okay, so I have this weird thing that if you're a band that I play with and I genuinely like you, I might become not starstruck is not the right word, but I listen to albums until I wear them out. Mm-hmm. So the off-key album, No One Eats the Shark, has not left my CD player since we played with you guys over a month ago. I listen to it pretty oh. much anywhere I'm going. Wow, I'm I'm flattered. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, I like it. Uh, it's uh, the songs are, are are nice and fast. They're they're uh, they're not crazy long. It's, it's easy to, you know, you don't get sick of them. Kind of type of thing. It's very 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 catchy. It's fun music too. You know, would you guys? I, I enjoy playing it. It's fun to watch. I think. Yeah. Oh, it is fun to watch. You guys have such a blast on stage, and that's what I was going to say. Is you guys' on stage antics? The three of you now. Uh, between Alan, yourself, and and Ryan, the dyna- the dynamic there is so cool because you guys are kind of playing off each other while also writing and playing these songs. And the really cool thing about this is every song on this album is a little different. Like everything is just like you guys don't have like you don't lock into the we're only doing a specific style of pop punk sound and just hammer that home. There's like rock kind of guitar on this and some kind of almost country guitar and then it picks up i mean you guys take elements from all kinds of music to shape your style and i really i personally really love that yeah no definitely i've always been um we the the dynamic of the band is is pretty it's pretty unique we've got a lot of like ryan and alan are, are older than i am and logan and i are closer in age um you know, so we each have our dif- different tastes and, and preferences in music, um, and I think that breeds a really unique style, and, and it, it creates something more enjoyable to the listener. It's not just cookie cutter, something you've heard a thousand times before. You know, it's it's a, a unique blend, a fusion of uh, of of different of different music, and that's what I'm about. Absolutely. Well, let's get into this because really we've just kind of been riffing about your band, and this could be a nice little plug for hey everybody, you should really go check out Off Key. They're like genuinely awesome from Appleton, Wisconsin, if I'm right, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I I still remembered. I still remembered. So (laughs) let's actually rewind the clocks to where it all starts for you. And I have to know, really, where does music begin for you? Like, what's the first band that kind of gets you into music? Where do you find your love to play guitar? This, this, I'm sure this story is going to be one that is beautifully told and kind of long but i want to know where it all starts for you yeah um it's uh, it's rather interesting um so i've got some older brothers and my oldest brother carrie being the oldest of my brothers you know you always look up to your older older family members regardless um so when i was in like elementary school and stuff he would have been in early high school in the early 2000s late 90s basically so when when like uh you know the post nirvana kind of like punk mainstream ish you know genre was going on a lot of like instrumental rock music type stuff was going on um so he was he kind of introduced me got me into you know alternative music if you will and uh and so that that was really my my lead into it um one of the first bands that i personally like grew attached to which maybe in hindsight is a little embarrassing to say now but i was a huge offspring fan i don't think there's Um, anything wrong with that yeah i'm not i mean personally i'm not a huge fan of their newer stuff now that they're you know they've changed their style a little bit, which is fine. Cause as a musician, you grow, but, um, yeah, no, I fell in love with, um, like, uh, 
Smash and Ixnay on the Ombre, you know, I, I, I just, as soon as I heard those songs, they were, they were catchy, they were simple. Um, a lot of them have, you know, a deeper meaning that you could relate to. It was just, uh, that's, that's really what got in, got me into music in general and listening, listening to music. Um, and then from there it was, uh, I, I, f- I fell into the, the pit of ska. That's, that's where I went. Interesting. Um, yeah, no, huge, huge ska fan. Still am to this day. Um, but it went from the offspring into like real big fish was my, my gateway into, into like the music world, you know, after, after I dipped my toe in. I pegged you for a mighty Boston's guy. I do, I do appreciate some Boston's, don't get me wrong, but, um, I don't know, Real Big Fish always did it for me. Uh, the pinnacle for me was Streetlight Manifesto. That was, that was what really, it inspired me to, you know, elevate my level of musicianship, you know, they're the fantastic musicians, all of them in, in Streetlight Manifesto. So does that start you down the path of playing an instrument or where does that come in? Because music, I know as a kid, I went and had like, you know, I became a, a bell player in the school band. But was that like your first taste into music or was it nothing? And then all of a sudden you were wanting to play guitar from all these ska and punk bands you're listening to or? Uh, no, not at all. Actually, I had kind of had to be talked into it. Um, <laughs> uh, I when middle school rolled around, I joined band because that's what everyone else in my family had done. Um, so I tried that out. I played saxophone and I loved it. I was, uh, super into it, you know, liking ska and everything, you know, it was, it was a good fit for me. And then, uh, from there, I, uh, the, the band director, the guy that taught me saxophone also, you know, was into like folk music and he played guitar. So, um, he offered to teach me guitar after school, um, for some ridiculously inexpensive amount of money, basically just to like hang out and, and play guitar, I think, was his motive. Um, and so he talked to my parents about it, and I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. I guess I'll give it a try. Why not? And uh, as soon as I started playing with him, I fell in, fell in love with it. He was into, like, folk music, and I learned so much from him. And really, the, the, the love and appreciation of playing music and, you know, creating new sounds and, and, and harmonies and blending everything together is what I learned from him. Uh, Mr. Baird, Colin Baird, he was a fantastic, uh, fantastic guy, really, really helped me a lot. So the the question I have from this is going to kind of go back with that teacher that you were mm-hmm. just speaking about. Does he know what you've got going on in your life now? Do you, do you guys communicate still? I feel I feel like sometimes people who are on our musical journeys get kind of lost along the way, regardless of if we really mean for that to happen. Yeah, no, definitely. I I do not keep in touch with not like I should. Um, we're I mean obviously we're friends on Facebook, but I mean that means nothing in this day and age. Um. So no, I he I talked to him once in a while. He knows that I'm in a band and stuff. I don't know if he's heard the album, to be honest. Oh, um, he should. I, I, he should. I meant to mail him one as soon as we like finished recording. I had this this dream that I would mail one to him with a letter, you know, and all that, and I never did. And uh, I always kind of regretted that. But maybe I still will. Hey, there's still there, time. There is tons of time left. So he talks you into playing guitar. You're learning your appreciation for music. You play saxophone. You know, maybe not any Careless Whisper or anything like that. Did you play Careless Whisper? No, nah, not that I remember. Okay, no, good. I so. Yeah, no. by Wham, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. It's time for Brews with Dudes. Ah, juicy. <clears throat> Tumultuous evening. Uh, did you happen to catch any of that? I, I, I myself have have done some vocal tech work, but I was preoccupied during the whole incident. I've gotten a lot of grief about it. It's very upsetting. 
It's very upsetting. Um, boner, the boner, uh, it was traumatizing. Um, they were assaulted on stage. You can see the video. Uh, you can. There's clear evidence of damage of equipment. One of the microphone stands was destroyed. The now, luckily for us, we were able to actually get one of the perpetrators on the show tonight. I don't know what you're talking about. Dave Chips, how's it going, my friend? Uh, I'm doing great. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you don't know what we're talking about? No, I wasn't there. I was um Who sick. was that? Who was that then? I don't I know. Was... Some guy that looked like me. See, I was there for a lot of it, but then... I I I, I, I always yeah. get preoccupied right when they're getting ready to go on stage. Never seen them right. Play. I was out in the parking lot, and by the time I came back in, the show was already done. So I missed a lot of it. But but I mean, a rumor has it you turned on the boners. I didn't. No, it was it was um, someone else. It looks just like me. Interesting. Weird. Some sexy guy looks like me though. Like someone. I don't know. I, I think you're full of shit. <laughs> Hey, man. It's okay to admit shit. It's okay to admit guilt. We're not on anybody's side here. Everyone has a price. That's all I have to say. Everyone oh, has a price. What was your price, David Lender? For my for my for, for Was it something as cheap as shoulder rubs? <laughs> Is that really what it was? <laughs> it was more than shoulder rubs. It was, oh, it was more than shoulder <laughs> rubs. He admits <laughs> <laughs> We're getting down to the nitty-gritty uh, on bruise with dudes. <laughs> I hear that Boner Jovi had to increase their security budget by about fourteen million dollars. Uh, that's for and the that's next, coming uh, out of the taxpayers' dollar. Yeah, all because of Lafayette. We they they love playing in Lafayette, Indiana, but it it just seems as though the rivalry is just forever ongoing. Uh, but they will continue to fight back because. I, I think as 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 it was quoted by one of the boners, uh, this is war. And all's fair in love and war, as Johnny <laughs> Joe Boner would say. He would say that. Oh, man. <laughs> was that too much for you, Dongo? <laughs> as the guy wearing headphones and, you know, monitoring the, the levels and whatnot. <clears throat> Ow. We'll have to add, add and, in a uh, spoiler. Holy clip, Batman. That's okay. It's okay. So <laughs> it'll no be, more. It'll be all right. No more of that. No this more of that. That's quite all right. Also, as the guy editing this, it'll, it'll be all right. Cool. So <laughs> it may not sound as bad as it initially just was. Podcast though. magic. This next beer has a pink foam. It's definitely Accumulating pink. on the top of it. I hope that it stinks. I'm sure it does stink. It's going to be the stinky pinky beer. Stinky pinky beer. That's right. I can smell In dishonor of the outhouse. I want to put my in finger in your thing. asshole. I want to give smell a fuck your what you think. Whoa. Poop on, on my, my knuckle. knuckle. <laughs> so, so what is this? like cough syrup. What is this? It smells like cough syrup, he says. <laughs> Carbonated, maybe like. This is a Belgian cherry beer from Crick. Ooh, a malt beverage with natural flavors and natural sweetener. Uh, this is lean. Bel- the product of Belgium. <laughs> this is lean. Healthy beer. <laughs> Shit. Uh, it's made from local <laughs> barley, unmalted wheat, cherry juice, aged hops, and wild airborne yeast. The brewers add no yeast. Bold cherries balances wild yeast complexity. I don't know, guys. It looks pretty authentic. 
I had been saying to Nick that I had been trying to find a Belgian beer. And I just picked the first one I saw, and this was it. This one is going to be a ride. You guys ready for it? Time for a group gulp. Group gulp. Oh, shit. Wow. It's not taste like a beer. Ooh. Kind of has, kind of has that cough syrup taste. Yeah. I said it was that lean. <laughs> Oh wow! It's oh wow! It's got a very sour aftertaste. Oh, like wow. a Jolly Rancher. It, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm getting the sour at the at the back end. Now I, like I hear aftertaste. Belgian sour. Some interpret it as a some say it tastes like cough syrup, essentially. Yes. In this case, <laughs> Dick agrees. In this case, especially, it's very tasty. It's just really, that really strong. Goddamn! I don't think if I was craving a beer that this would be something that I grabbed. Absolutely if I was not. Wanting to like have a wine. Yeah, I would agree with that. Something. It's more like a wine. Almost like a fuzzy yeah. grape juice. Yeah, I, I have to agree, and it, it really dries the mouth out at the end. Well, Belgian beers are also aged, or Belgian style uh, brews are aged. Okay. Is it pasteurized? Is it one of those unpasteurized and brews? I'm not sure. There's a bunch of writing on the label. You're free to look at it. It it definitely has like a, like a, <laughs> it definitely smells like like a cherryish wine. Yes. Does it have cherry juice in it? Like like get a wine and like throw some grenadine in it. And pow. I don't know. I don't <laughs> definitely much. definitely grenadine. Accurate. <laughs> I, accurate. I can imagine just being at the restaurant, you know, like I always order like a cherry Coke or a cherry Pepsi and they're like, well, it's made with grenadine. Um, do you want, is that okay? Um, no shit. It's okay. It totally tastes it's, like a, like a really strongly flavored cherry Pepsi. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hate it. Do you guys we hate know that? it tastes like Robitussin. We heard it. <laughs> do you guys hate that? Like when you're at a restaurant and they're like, "Oh, it's made with grenadine. Is that okay?" It's like, no shit. I know what. I, it's cherry. I love grenadine. I love grenadine. It tastes way better than any fountain totally. cherry Coke or cherry Pepsi. Absolutely. Because it's agreed. It's strong. I like it. I drank mine really fast. It's yeah, strong. I'm ready. I'm I'm <laughs> ready to smash it. It's really not that bad. Yeah. I mean, it's not yeah, bad. Again, the aftertaste. Yeah, it kind of tastes like cough syrup a little bit. I feel like I'm gonna start tripping out soon. Can we? I need some water. Hopefully. I feel like we're gonna. Everyone's just. God damn. <laughs> Excuse the hell out of me, Dongo. <laughs> Give me that derisive look. <laughs> it's like eating a. It's like eating a Jolly Rancher and a Sour Patch Kid at the same time. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I definitely need some water to clear my mouth out after that. <laughs> Dude, that that's gonna stink, bro. Mm. It was good. It was really good. Don't get me wrong. I think it's time for the fistmas. Time for the fistmas. Merry fistmas. I need a burp. Merry fistmas to, to you. So I heard a a rumor that uh, Boner Jovi's gonna come back around uh, New Year's. Oh really? To do a special visit at the Doom Room. That's uh, I've, I've 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 heard I've heard about that. 
It's unconfirmed, as far as I know. It's it's but a rumor. Yeah. Not it's not gonna be like a it's it's not gonna be like a stadium show like they normally play. I heard it's gonna be like a, a private event. Absolutely. They're playing for the Overlord and his closest friends. So, sorry, Dave, you probably won't be able to go since what? you pissed the Overlord off so recently. What are you doing with this? New Year's Eve is when I heard that they were going to come back around. Because that's when the Overlord usually likes to gather his uh, his lords and ladies to come and celebrate the coming of the new year. I got a DJ. Damn. Garbage. I'll Sorry, let him know. Bro. I'm like the uh, the event coordinator for the Overlord. You know, I manage his calendar. He's a day planner? Yeah, pretty much. Secretary. Secretary. Secretary Maxim. To the Overlord of Doom. You know, if I could take it all back, I would. Everyone's what? got a price. Let's. Don't you fucking lie to us, David. <laughs> I thought. I, Don't I, you I, I'm sorry. Lie I thought you us. said it wasn't you. Just. I mean, it's okay. Guy you know, that, that guys, looks guys, just uh, like me. Guys, we already oh, gave him. We gave him a guy that looks just like <clears throat> David Linder. Everybody, we gave Are him the freedom to come me? clean about it. Okay, and he came clean about it. Now, please, just, just tell us. Why? why? Why did? You, why do you have a reason, or was it just a a moment of passion? <laughs> crime of passion. <laughs> crime of passion. It was a passion crime. That it's, is the episode name. I know it. It has been decided. <laughs> a crime of passion, <laughs> starring David Linder. Coming to. I just know Johnny movie. Joe loved you like a brother, and he felt betrayed when you stunned him. <laughs> In front of all of his biggest fans, you know, I, I could take it back. I could, but you, you, you did a wrestling move on him. A wrestling? He did I, the Stone Cold Stunner. Everybody, welcome to the first episode of Literature. I am your host Joanna. Some of you may know me from the Butt Stuff podcast. If you do, that's awesome. If you don't, go check that out sometime. All right, we're just gonna get on with this. Um, to be completely honest, I'm a couple weeks late getting this up for you guys. Um, if you've ever heard your own voice play back, do you know that it is the worst thing to ever happen to you? And I also try to do Turtles All the Way Down by John Green, which. That mostly consisted of me bawling, and that was even less enjoyable than just hearing my voice on a normal basis. So we're going to do something completely different today. I actually have some questions by my friend Michelle. Hi. Um, So we're going to answer those. The first one is, what is your favorite book genre? And I would definitely have to say it's stuck between horror and fantasy. I love new worlds and fantasy. It's nice to just get away from Earth and you know, this hellhole we, that we live in. But I also really like books that you might want to wear your brown pants for. Alright, so next question. What sparked your love of reading? Um, like everyone else on the planet, Harry Potter. Before that, I had only read uh, Goosebumps and Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and I didn't really have much of an interest in anything else. 
What is the worst book you've ever read? Um, I actually pulled it off the shelf specifically for this fucking question. Um, it's The Diary of a Haunting by M. Verano. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but I saw it on the shelf. It had a beautiful cover. I hate to admit that I cover by sometimes, but there you have it. But, oh my god. From the very beginning, it's just trash. It's so hard to finish. I only finished it so I could accurately tell people what happens in this book and why you shouldn't read it because it is just hours of your life that you're never going to get back. Have you ever DNF'd a book? Um, not very many, but the one that I can think of is Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children by Ransom Riggs. Everybody loves it, but I just didn't fall in love with the writing style. I do want to pick it up back up sometime, but I don't know when that's going to actually happen. And I can't think of anything else. All right. Do you have any signed books? Um, I actually only have three. <laughs> they're all from the same author, and they're also all the same book. <laughs> Turtles All the Way Down by John Green. I pre-ordered it on Amazon. I went to the book tour and got another one. And I was in Target a few days ago and found another signed copy that actually says DFTBA in it. So totally excited about that. Next question. How many books slash shelves do you have? I have 455 books and I have five bookshelves, four of which are completely packed and the fifth one is getting there. And then I don't know where I'm going to put them. 